Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Now, church, remember, the book of Daniel was written way back in 605 B.C., 605, but it spans a total of 70 plus years, 70 years, and we'll see four kings rise to power while Daniel is alive. And I find it interesting because I think of someone like Daniel. Daniel got taken from his homeland. He got taken from everything he knew, everything he loved, all of his family, and and he was maybe hoping that one day, even though he was part of the Babylonian uh, regime, and he learned this, and he was trying to be a good uh, soldier for the Lord and trying to not rock the boat, um, he never saw Israel again. He never really saw the promised land. These four kings come in and he gets to interact with all of them. The first one you remember is King Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. Now, um, Pastor Robert in the days gone by from Calvary Rancho used to call him um, King Never Can Remember because he didn't remember what God or who God was and he keeps and he builds the statue. We'll talk about that. Then Belshazzar comes in. Belshazzar is the second king. Then you have King Darius. And then the fourth and final king is King Cyrus. So in essence, if you will, we have to go back in our Bibles to get a glimpse of future prophetic events. The very last thing on the prophetic calendar, as you know, church, is called the rapture or the harpazo of the church. That's what we're waiting for. Each and every day when you wake up, I would encourage you to look up because your redemption is drawing nigh. He is coming back for his church. How do you know? I can't tell you um, the text that I get, the, the information, the news. If you'll just sort of put this puzzle all together, you will see that it is very, very close. You go, well, Ben, what's the timeline? Well, really, one of the main timelines is Ezekiel 38 and 39, where Russia gets this huge coalition, and, and the Lord drags them into a war. Israel's not ready. The Lord defends them, and the nations go, wow, there is a God. Now, when does that happen? I don't know if we're taken up first or we're taken up during or we see any of this or we don't see any of it. But I know that time is close. So what happens next? The rapture of the church. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in verse 52, you know this. Paul writes, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound... And the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Now, just for reference, church, listen. When he says, at the twinkling of an eye, the science has defined twinkling as half a blink. Not you doing this, but just a normal blink. Half of that is a twinkling of an eye. So Paul writes, in a moment, at a twinkling, so one minute you're just busy shopping, you're paying for your groceries, or you're going to the mailbox, or whatever it might be, in in a twinkling of an eye, we're going to be gone. We're going to be gone. Now, we know that this is prophetically going to happen. We believe it. And and, And in fact... Over the, fat, the, the last few months, we've seen monumental and historic decisions that are actually trajectorying the world. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, this affects the whole trajectory. As a matter of fact, when you think of the World Economic Forum, when you think of the CDC, when you think of the NIH, all of these things, this is just, all these decisions are, are affecting the way we're, we're going. And these decisions, as a matter of fact, in Davos, Switzerland, that happened, could actually usher in the return of the Lord for the Lord Jesus Christ for his bride. He could come back and get us. And you go, well, what do you mean? Well, there's a fellow right now. I found this interesting. Let me give you an example. There's a fellow by the name of Dmitry Medvedev. Medvedev. He was the former president of Russia way back in about, about 10 years ago. He was the former president. And he writes something I found very interesting. Maybe um, Mike Shaw knows this or not, but he says this. Russia will now create a military coalition aimed at weakening the U.S. dominance in global politics, unquote. So what's he saying is all of a sudden in the with the war with Russia and Ukraine at war, Okay, and them not gaining a whole lot of ground. Now, you and I don't realize, but it's already been a year. They started this in February. 
you would think that, hey, if they were going to dominate and be done, it would be over very quickly, but that's not how it works. Well, now the U.S. is starting to send supplies and starting to send all of these things, and Russia's going, okay, we've had enough. So they're grabbing a bunch of um, countries to go, let's fight against the United States, or let's not support them. All of these things that are going to happen, you go, why is that important? Well, I'll tell you why. Because if you'll study the book of Ezekiel, chapter 38, you'll find that the United States is not mentioned at all. We're not a world power. We don't have the strength that people look up to us. We're not even mentioned. But we do see that Russia's mentioned. We see that Iran's mentioned, and so forth, and so forth, and so forth. So I find it very interesting that he's actually, this is what's happening. And I started to look, who are the people that we really need to watch today? Who are the people? I should have put them on the screen, but let me just just give you a couple of them, okay? Let me give you five of them. The one person we need to watch, his name is Yuval Noah Harari. Yuval Noah Harari, okay? This fella is a fella who believes and is teaching and wants us to be God. Okay, at the Davos, Switzerland meeting, he actually sat down and said, okay, we're not going to create organically like God did. We're going to do it our way. And so he's harvesting all different kinds of organs, brains and hearts and so forth. He wants to create, but not organically. He wants to believe that there is no death. People who want to live forever. And he's Jewish. His name is Yuval Noah Harari. The second one you need to watch is, his name is S-H-L-O-M-O. Shlomo Yehuda Berry. B-E apostrophe E-R-I. He is dubbed as the leading or just this charismatic Messiah, this, this rabbi in Israel. And that everywhere you go, he's commanding all kinds of attention. Most of the world has dubbed him the false Messiah, but you need to understand that Israel is looking for their Messiah. They don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah or was the Messiah. And so right now they're going, where's our Meshach? Where's our Messiah? And so they see these guys come in that are extraordinary and they're just following him. Interesting. Interesting. Another one you should remember and mark is Emmanuel Macron, the president of France. You need to keep an eye out on him. Why? He's sort of flying under the radar, but I found something very interesting in looking up his name. Do you realize that he's the only French president that has actually won two terms? Now, his term is over in 2027, and I find it interesting that's three and a half years from today. 24. Moving forward. You go, wow, what does that mean? He's not going to go away. Look him up. Are you, you're saying he's the Antichrist? No, I'm not saying he's the, I'm saying these are men, these are people to watch. The third one is Elon Musk. Elon Musk, you go, yeah, he did great for Twitter. He sure did, but he's also very much in AI, into artificial, where, where you can put a chip in the back of your head and you can order a pizza by your thoughts. Yes. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? You're sitting there and the pizza driver comes up and he goes, hey, I was, I was thinking about ordering a pizza. We know. We got gotcha. you. Well, let's see if you can read my mind now. No, sir, you have to pay for this. Okay, here you go. But that's Elon. Then you have, of course, you know, this goes without saying, Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin. He's some to watch in the world today. Now, let me just encourage you, be careful, because you could get so lost in all of these that your mind spins and you're like, I don't know, and you get so, that's not the hope that God gives us, but I'm giving them to you because I want you to understand this is what's going on. Now, what the mainstream media shows you is different than what's going on in the world. Be careful. Jesus told us in Matthew 24, don't be deceived. Don't fall into the trap. Be be good, Berea. Look up the stuff. And, okay, okay, this is what's going Okay, this is what's happening. This is what's happening. Now, most of you might think, hey, wait a minute, Ben. You just said this is going on in the world, and you want to take us to Israel? Do you realize that it's safer in Israel than it is at Whataburger sometimes? 
You know, it really is. It's really safe. They, they go through great lengths to make sure. And, if, and um, you know, and hey, listen, I don't know about you, but if the Lord's going to call me home, there'd be no better place to go when, than in Israel. You know, standing by the Sea of Galilee, worshiping. Boom. Okay, let's go. But uh, it's really, really, really safe. And I know the world says it's not, but I've been there three times and I've never, ever had a problem. Very, very, very accommodating. Now, if you're taking note, before we jump into it, let me give you four prophetic trends to watch. Four prophetic trends to watch. Number one, watch the threats to human existence. Watch the threats to human existence. I see you nodding your head. Why? Because there's a lot of people who want population control. Population control. We want to murder babies, we want to murder our elderly, and everybody in between who's not worthy to uh, be healthy, and so forth and so forth. But keep an eye that this is a prophetic trend. What is it? It's threats to human existence. Number two, watch the Middle East. Watch the Middle East. Why? Because we know that in Ezekiel 38 and 39, that's going to usher something that we're either going to see or not see, but we know what's going to happen. Number three on the prophetic timeline on a trend to watch is watch Europe. Watch Europe. Why? Because if you recall, in the book of Daniel, we saw the last day's empire. You saw that. That's going to come out of the revived Roman Empire all around the, the European nations. Okay? And then number four, one of the trends, the prophetic to, trends to watch is watch moral trends. Watch moral trends. See, we're going to see a decline, if we haven't already, a decline in the moral values of the world around us. Okay? We should take no and sigh and cry over all the abomination. You see, we used to hold life at one point in, in high esteem. We used to have the sanctity of life, and now we don't have those moral values around us anymore. And we can see that happening and it reminds me of the feet in the clay where, again, the moral values of the church and the state and they all mix together and it's okay, everybody's doing it, go for it, it's all right. And that's going to be a prophetic, that's going to be very prophetic trend to watch. Jesus told us, guys, that we must not allow the lawlessness around us to let our hearts grow cold. He told us that in Matthew twenty-four, twelve, and 13. We especially watch the moral trends of the nations that had strong biblical traditions. And you can see that happen here in the United States as well. You see, we were a country founded on biblical principles, but now things have changed. Things have changed. Watch the moral trends in the nation. You see, it used to be when someone was in trouble, people would step up and step in and say, okay, no, you're not going to do this. What you see now is people on their phones and they want to see what happens when this person jumps off a bridge or is being chased or is being beat up. We want to we wanna video the fights instead of get in and break up fights. That's the moral decay of the world. Well, with all this going on in the world today, what can we learn from the book of Daniel tonight? You ready? Number one, you've got to grasp this because this is important. Our faith will be tested. Our faith will be tested. You understand, with the masses running in the other direction, we as believers will be tested in our love for God and our walks for Jesus. You understand that, right? We learn that Daniel and his companions throughout their lives were uncompromising and they remained faithful to God. There might be a time in your life, church, listen to me, that you're going to be put in a position whether you have to choose your job or the Lord Jesus. You're going to be put in a position that they're going to want you to compromise your values. Hey, just cheat a little bit here. Do a little bit there. Watch out here. Fudge the numbers. We're going to do this. And actually require you to do that to keep your job. Now, Let's just go back and read what we talked about last week. Picking it up in verse 1, Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold, whose height was 60 cubits and its width was 6 cubits. He set up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrate, all the officials of the providence to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials, 
of the presence gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried out loud, To you it's commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, the symphony, with all kinds of music, you shall bow down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of the what the burning fiery furnace. So at that time, when the when all the people heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, and symphony with all kinds of music, all the people, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the gold image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Your attention, please. Can you imagine? King Nebuchadnezzar had just believed who God was, understood. Daniel comes in, tells him the dream, gives him the interpretation. And whether it was 19 years later or very quickly, he sets up an idol and he says, I want to be worshipped. This idol represents me. I want to be worshipped. So when you hear the music, when you hear the music, I find it interesting because we we all know that Satan was the worship leader in heaven. And I find it interesting that right here he goes, okay, it's not when you hear the horn, it's not when you hear someone blow, it's when you hear the symphony. When you hear the music, you need to bow down and worship. Now, again, this sounds crazy, but to the people in that day, they're like, okay, not a big deal. Listen, if I, and here's the thing, I bet if we asked anyone back in this day, why'd you bow? Why did you just, why, why did you pay homage to this giant golden image in the plain of Dura? You know what they would say? Listen, I'm just trying to make ends meet, man. I'm just trying to get from Friday to the next Friday. I'm just trying to make, I got it care for, listen, I don't have time for this. I'm just going to do it and I got to go. I got to go. See, they're not paying attention. They don't understand. And that's how deceitfulness works. You're not paying attention. You're not being taught. You're not saying, hey, no, 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 no. This is where we need to go. This is where you need to go. So when the musical instruments, again, think about this, this impressive orchestra, and what happens? You need to bow down and worship and worship. Why? Listen, because they know that you and I were created to worship. That's in us. Nobody has to tell you to worship. You go, well, wait a minute. That's, that sounds interesting. No, 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 no. Listen. When you're born again, your natural response is to worship the King of Kings. But you're created to worship. We worship all everything. We'll worship a football game. We'll worship this team. We'll do this. We'll worship a... We'll even... Listen. We'll even worship um, Christian artists at a concert. You know? We'll, and and we got to be careful. Because again, this is what they're doing. And, 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 and he says, hey, 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 listen, when you hear the music, whoever does not fall down and worship, guess what? You're going to get a slap on the wrist. That's not what he says. He says, you're going to be immediately thrown into the, the fiery furnace, the burning. This is crazy. And the command was backed up by a very powerful threat. Why? Why, church? Because Nebuchadnezzar regarded the refusal of worship the image as treason, not just a religious. He goes, listen, if you don't worship, if you don't bow down, that's the same as you. That's, that's it. You're done. This is treason. Out. Out. Now, last week, we spent some time talking about the image, and it was about control and worship. We talked about how these things correlated future events. Guys, jot down Revelation 13. We talked about it last week for the sake of time. I'm not going to be able to. But the Antichrist is going to, and, and, and the worship of the image of the beast, we're going to see that's future. But let's pick it up in Daniel because let's see what happens. In verse 8 it says, Therefore at that time a certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. Now if you have a pencil handy... They're, the Chaldeans are astrologers. They're Babylonian fortune tellers. Okay? Now, here's who they are. Here's what you got to grasp. These are the same guys that were saved in chapter 2 because Daniel and his companions prayed and God gave them the answer to the dream. So now you got a bunch of people who were saved literally because of this young Jewish boy and his friends. And what do they do? Here's how they repay Daniel. 
they go out and they came forward and they accused the Jews. Now, if you have a pencil handy, circle the word for Jews and you go, why? Here's why. The only Jews we know so far in the book are Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You might know them better as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These are the only Jews. These are the only Jews. Now, what I find interesting is how the Chaldeans have turned on the very people that saved them, saved their lives. All of a sudden, they're bringing an accusation. But here's what I want you to see. Here's some great application that you and I can take home. When you're serving the Lord, come on somebody, when you're serving the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength, you can count on being attacked by unbelievers. Now listen, it may be true that they say something like this. Hey, we noticed you reading your Bible in the break room, and it makes others feel uncomfortable. Or they might say something like this. Um, you, might be, um, you might be accused of praying too much. Or they might look at you and say, you're holier than thou, or do you think all this? And, and here's the thing. It's going, if it happened to them, here's, here's the admonition. It's going to happen to us. We have to be careful. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you know this, but Anthony sent me an article this week. It's about a Christian charity worker in Malta, and here's the, here's the article. He faces potential jail time or a fine after speaking about leaving, leaving the LGBT lifestyle. So you got a guy who gets saved. You got a guy who gets saved and goes, Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm leaving that lifestyle. And he's basically saying, I left that lifestyle that wasn't for me. I gave my life to Jesus. Jesus can help you. And, and, it, and he's being persecuted. This is, this is real life, guys. And I wonder how long it's going to be before you say, Hey, you can't teach that Bible. Or you're going to go to, you see, it makes me uncomfortable. It makes me feel, and that's hate. Well, what was hate? Well, you said that, that I'm a sinner. Well, that's hate. Well, no, I'm just teaching the Bible. And next thing you know, hey, we're going to find your church. We're going to find your pastor. We're going to take you to jail. Guys, and it's not only the pastor. This guy's not a pastor. He's a, he's a charity worker. And all he said was, I'm out. I'm out. I, I, ah. this, listen to what Jesus said. I love what Jesus said about this. Guys, John 15 and 18, jot this down. He says, if the world hates you, you know it hated me before it hated you. Right? And so again, think about this. We're in good company, but here's the thing. The word hate there means to detest, especially to persecute, by extension to love less, to be hateful. So here's the thing. If the world hates you, it hated Jesus before it ever hated you. Now, we don't get up in the morning and go, man, I can't wait to see who hates me today. <laughs> we don't do that, do we? But we, we live our lives to where, listen, it's going to come to the place where we detest. And like I said, you go, well, Ben, why, do you, why is it every Wednesday you're bringing this? Here's the thing. I'm trying to warn you. I'm trying to get you a good foundation. Because when you see the attack coming, you'll know, oh, okay, okay, yeah, Pastor Ben warned us about this. That's what's coming. And you can prepare so much better than being blindsided. Wait, what? What? All I said was, I love Jesus, and now, and now I'm being put in. I don't understand. I don't understand. I'm telling you right now. Jesus said, if the world hates you, know that it hated me. It hated me. They're going to persecute us. They're going to persecute us. Daniel chapter 3 again says, Therefore, at a certain time, the Chaldeans came forward accusing. Okay. Notice what they said. And they spoke, they spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, or the harp, the lyre, and the psaltery, the symphony with all kinds of music. Here's what they should do. Fall down and worship the golden image. Okay? So they're repeating back the decree. Look, here comes the squeeze, verse 11. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast in the midst of the, 
of the what? Of the burning, fiery furnace. Now, you need to remember that Nebuchadnezzar regarded the refusal to worship the image as treason, and it was punishable by death. It wasn't simply, oh, it's a religious offense. I know you got your own gods. Everybody serves their different. He goes, no, 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 here's the deal. If you don't do this, you're done. Now, here comes the accusation, verse 12. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the fairs of the province of Babylon. Who are they? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. Now we come to the demonstration of faith. Here's the accusation. These guys aren't playing ball. They're not being very nice. They are running against everyone else. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if all of us were standing up and then all of a sudden you heard the music and everyone stayed down and you're standing up? You'd stick out like a sore thumb, right? There you Well, get down here. No, I'm not. I can't. And I'm going to bow to this image. Why? Because I'm a Hebrew. I'm not a heathen. Because I love God and I don't want my faith to be compromised. Compromised. Church, do me a favor. I want you to think, and you don't have to answer out loud, obviously, but think about the times when all the little ways that, that people want you to compromise your faith in God. Just a little bit. Just here, a little bit there. And it's conditioning us for, for the image. For the giant, the Colossus. The Colossus. Well, what happens? Look at verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in a rage of fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they brought these men before the king. Now, before we get moving in the story, remember we talked about biblical topology. You guys remember that? Okay, so right here, right here, we discover that Daniel is not with them. You're like, wow. Why? Because Daniel, guys, biblically is a type of the church. The type of the church. Harpazod. He's not here. You're not here. He would be, you would suspect he would be here. Why? Because Daniel was kind of the leader of the guys, right? Hey, Shadrach, come on guys, let's, let's gather together, man, let's pray. Everybody would see that, but Daniel's not here. Why? Because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are a type of Israel. And the fiery furnace is a type of the tribulation. A tribulation. Okay? We believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, but let me say this, that doesn't mean we won't be persecuted up until that time. I believe that we won't be here when God pours out His wrath on the world, but I think up until that point, you as a believer, now remember, when you're, naming, when you're named as a Christian, I am a Christian, okay? I am a devoted follower of God. I'm a disciple. I follow Jesus. You are in the realm where the enemy is coming after you. But greater is he that is within us. He's gonna, God's gonna, he's gonna take care of us. He's gonna take care of us, but you just need to know that that attack could be coming. Okay? Daniel's not mentioned. He's writing. He's not, he's not like, hey, I'm over here. And so it goes on. So Nebuchadnezzar spoke to them and said, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image I have made. He says, good. In other words, you're off, you're good. If you'll just bow down and worship, I'll forget the whole thing. Okay? I'll, I'll go ahead. He says, but if you do not worship, you shall be cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God? Wait a minute, Nebuchadnezzar. Wait a minute, never can remember. He's saying, who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Really? Really? Nebuchadnezzar quickly forgot who God was. It was just a few verses earlier that he confessed, truly your God is the God of gods, the Lord and the kings and the revealer of secrets. Your attention, please. Can I encourage you to do something? Would you please, please, please keep a journal? You go, why would I keep a journal? Because we're a lot like Nebuchadnezzar. God does amazing things and we forget about it. 
And so a few years go by, we're like, God, please help me. And you, you can go back to those times when God moves so mightily that you can stand and go, no, 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 this is why. This is why. Listen, church, we're forgetful people. But when God moves, keep a journal. Not a diary. Keep a journal, okay? I mean, you can keep a diary, but you know what I'm saying. And again, it, Nebuchadnezzar quickly forgot who God was. I don't want to forget. I want to write down everything that God has done. I want to write down everything. You see, you see, I'll tell you. Let me, let me tell you a little story. My God healed my wife of cancer. My God did that. But we'll walk into, we'll walk into, we'll walk into the doctor and I forget how big my God is sometimes. And he'll, and we'll get something like, like it was the craziest thing. It was the craziest thing. We, we had an appointment with the doctor and on, on her portal, Nathalie's looking at her phone. We're waiting for the doctor. We're thinking everything's going to be good. God healed her. Amen. And then she gets a thing on her, on her phone saying that it's stage two, uh, cancer on the left breast. And we're like, oh. And immediately I feel like Nebuchadnezzar. I forgot who God was. And I thank the Holy Spirit that was inside us, helped us and walked through that. And it was, it was something unbelievably. But, but the point is, I need to write down the things that God has done in my life. Big or small. Because when things get hard, church, listen, you're going to need that to go, hey, God is big. God is big. And then he says something very interesting. Who is the God who will rescue you from me? Now, note the response. Note the response. And here's what I want you to write down. This is so key. Notice a very respectable, that's key, but immovable in faith. Okay? They're respectful to the king. Because we serve Jesus, we need to respect our authorities. Who's our authority? Your authority is your boss in your life. Your authority is all the authorities that God. We need to respect them. You understand that? Now, but it's immovable faith. You know, your question will be, Ben, what is faith? Well, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's faith. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us the assurance about things we cannot see. How many of you have faith? Of course you do. You go, Why? Because you're believing with all of your faith that you're going to go to heaven. You're going to go to heaven. When you die, you're going to be, you're going to, you have faith, right? Because why? Have you seen heaven? Have you, have you seen it? Have you been there? Did you visit? Did you get a pass? You go, no, Ben, that's silly. Because we have faith. We walk by faith and trusting what Jesus did on the cross is, is, is salvation. Okay, I put my faith and trust in that. I don't have anything else. I'm not going to, I'm not going to stand and present me. And so I have faith. That's what he's talking about, guys. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. Okay? So, it goes on in Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Remember, respectful. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. I love verse 18. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Wow, that is a demonstration of faith. How so? Man, listen, if you're a highlighter, this is the verse to highlight. Why? Because the key is found in verse 18. Here's what he says. But if not, but if not, it's okay. It's okay. We will still live and we will still die for our God. But we're not. We're not going to serve or worship your idol. The same premise that happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego kind of happened to us when we found out that Nathalie did have cancer. And I remember thinking, wow, you know, my wife could die. Now there's a part of me 
to be honest with you, when, when, when this information is being revealed, there's a part of me that's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is so surreal. I, I heard it in slow time, and it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. But being a believer, I, I, I said, God can heal her. But you know, in the back of me, I said, but if not, but if not, and she said the same thing. She goes, God can heal me, but if not, I will still love and serve him. And serve him. Even if the healing doesn't come, church, we still need to serve the Lord. Why? Because this is not our permanent home. This is not all there is. Thank God. Amen? This is not all there is because it's not all that great, to be honest with you. Oh, sure, we get the occasional sunset and we get the occasional beautiful sunrise and we get, we get to see some beauty in places that are amazing, but this is not what God has for us. But the point is this. Listen, even if your healing doesn't come, it's okay. Why? Because you're still going to serve Him. You're still going to love Him. And if God heals you, you go, Amen. And if not, I get to go home and be in glory. You see, I had to come to that in my life when I saw her. I had to come to the place that, okay, well, Lord, you... And, and here's how the Lord spoke to me. As much as she was my wife, this was, this was 2015, as much as she was my wife, I had to remember that she was God's daughter first. Now, I'm not telling you it's easy. I'm not saying I was walking around like a super saint going, hey, praise the Lord, you know. It was hard. It was very hard. But I knew she was God's daughter first. And I think we need to live that way in this life, don't you? And you go, why? Because as much as we love our spouse and we're just like, oh, man, this is so cool. And, uh, man, we've been married this long and so forth. It doesn't have to be cancer. And we have to be okay with that. We have to be okay with that. Now, I want you to jot this down. Notice, they do not make any conditions with God. Deliverance or martyrdom were equally possible in his plan. What we try to do, church, is we try to negotiate with God. We try to, okay, God, here's the deal. Listen, um, here's what I found out. This is what's going on. Listen, well, I'll do this if you do this, and I'll do that. And, and, and can you imagine, Lord, Lord, um, listen, we don't want to bow down. I'll tell you what, Lord, listen, we're not really bowing to you. But, you know, that, that fiery furnace is really hot. How about if we just kind of maybe like, you know, I mean, listen. I wonder how many people are going to take the mark thinking it's not a big deal. I still love the Lord Jesus. When the mark is actually condemning your soul. I wonder. You see, we cannot allow a little bit of compromise in our walk because it'll take us all the way. So, again... Don't, they didn't make any conditions. They're just like, okay, this is it. Now, look at verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. This is crazy. He's like, hey, guys, listen, listen, listen. If you'll just, if you'll just worship, when it go, listen, the music's going to come on here pretty much. Just worship, and we're all good. Go home. Everything's fine. Amen? Amen. Okay, I'll drop, I'll drop the charges. And they're like, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to serve you. God's going to deliver us, and he's, not, and, 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 and he's way bigger than you, sir. But even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow. We're not going to do this. All of a sudden, the rage came in. And he's like, okay, I'll show you. Turn up! The fiery furnace. Seven times hotter. You guys with me? Here's what I find interesting. Let's talk about punishment. You go, why? If I really wanted to torture somebody, I'm not going to turn the fiery furnace hotter. I'm actually going to turn it lower. You go, wow, I didn't see that. Yeah, because I want them to die slowly. And I want people to see. I'm not going to turn it up hotter. Why? Because if he turned it up seven times hotter, the moment you dropped him, they're going to be killed in an instant. It's over in a flash. But if I really want to show my authority, don't mess with Nebuchadnezzar. I'm going to... Seven times hotter in biblical typology, church, could reference the seven-year tribulation period. You're like, wow. Okay, let's go on. 
And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound with their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments. Why would you throw somebody in with all of their clothes? Because it would burn, right? It's more torture, but it's seven times hotter. And they were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace was exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. So the guys opened up the furnace. It was so hot, it killed them. I would hate to have been on that duty that day. All right, you get up in the morning going, How? nope, just an easy day at work. As long as people bow, we're good. And then you hear, oh, somebody's in trouble. And then you die? Well, Nebuchadnezzar, verse 24, was astonished. And he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to you, O king, True, O king, look. He answered, I see four men loose and walking in the midst of the fire, and they're not hurt, and the fourth, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Wow. The Son of God here in Aramaic, guys, means the sons of God. So he wasn't saying he, he knew who God was. The Son of, he didn't know who Jesus was. To you and I, it is a pre incarnate Jesus coming to the rescue. That's what it was. Can you imagine? And they're all, and all, they're not even bound anymore. They're just walking around. What are you doing? Hey, what are you doing? Hey, how's it going? Right? And, and, and this is crazy. Nebuchadnezzar looks and he freaks out. Verse 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fire and furnace and spoke, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. Okay, so now we changed his tune. Okay, come here. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire. And the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the king's counselors gathered together. And they saw these men whose bodies the fire had no power. And the hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected. And the smell of fire was not on them. Can you imagine? They went in the fiery furnace and they didn't even come out smelling like smoke. They were there. I mean, seriously, they're just like, wow. This is the God you serve. But what was the difference? Their attitude was, we're going to serve Jesus no matter what. Now, listen, it, it could have turned out different, could it not? It could have been like, as soon as they dropped him in, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were, were toast. They were done. They were killed. Why? Because sometimes you'll serve the Lord and it won't end up all roses and butterflies. Can I get an Amen. Because I think of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a guy who was following God. He was, he was the one. And it, it, it ended up bad for him, did it not? So we can't sit there and go, Oh, man, listen, we're Christians. Everything's going to be great, wonderful, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And then we go, wait a minute, something bad happened. I don't understand. No, no, no. We, we take our lives one day at a time. We run in our lanes and we go, Okay, Lord, this is what you have for me. This is what you have for me. And sometimes you end up like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and God is with you, and he delivers you, and it's, a, and it's a bona fide miracle. And sometimes you're John the Baptist, and you're sitting there going, hey, I thought, I thought he was the Messiah. Is he the Messiah? Should we look for another? And they send his disciples, tell him this, this happens, tell him the blind goes free, tell him the, the, the lame walk, and, and he forgets that those in prison get to get out. He ends up dying. What do you think John's perspective in heaven is now? Wow, I fulfilled my role. I ran my race. I finished the cross. I, I, I went, I, I finished, I, I crossed the line. I did my job. Yeah, but listen, we read the story, John. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I ran my race. Well, they didn't smell like smoke, and guess what happens in verse 28? Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel, if you have the Bible, notice it's capital, okay, and he delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies 
and should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that the people, nation, language which speaks anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut into pieces, and their houses shall be made an ash heap, because, here's why, there is no god who can deliver like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. From verses 27 to 30, church, there can be no natural explanation for such a complete deliverance. You see, it wasn't that like they were, they were hiding in the corner and the fiery furnace didn't get them. No, no, no. This was, this was, they, they were delivered and they were protected and they were rewarded all to the glory of God. He did that. So here we have a lesson in faith. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their faith was put to the test. Worship the image or die. They love the Lord so much that they're not going to bow. As a matter of as a matter of fact, 1 Peter 4.14 says this, If you are reproached for, this, for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he's glorified. Now again, think about that. If you are reproached, if you are persecuted, if you suffer for the name of Christ, blessed are you. Are you. Now, earlier we talked about our faith being tested. And... We are probably headed for a time in our lives when we'll be persecuted for our faith in Christ. Here's my question. Why does our faith need to be tested? Ben, that's a good question. Well, the Apostle Paul gives us the answer. I want you to say goodbye to Daniel and turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. We're going to spend a little bit of time here and then we'll close our Bible study. I want you to know Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Let me give you some background. Paul is writing from prison. He's no stranger to persecution or tribulation for the sake of the kingdom. Paul knows what it's like in a dark prison cell, and he knows that his faith is tested every single day. Here's the point of Philippians 1. God graciously tests our faith through trials and suffering so that we may magnify Christ to our enemies through the fearless faith in Jesus. So we're going to be tested, but jump over to verse 6 with me because I want to give you some encouragement. Paul writes, being confident in this thing, okay, we know what's going to happen, that he who begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. So our faith is going to be tested, church. Listen, we're going to go through trials. We're going to have, we're going to suffer, but the point is to magnify the Lord, but be encouraged. Why? Because the very thing he started in you, the very good work, guess what? He's going to complete it in that day. He's going to complete it in that day. Now, starting in verse 12, Paul gives us the reason our faith is being tested in the times of our suffering. Now, Paul is not in a fiery furnace. You understand that? But he's in a dark, smelly, bug-infested prison cell. And here's what he writes. But I want you to know, brethren that the thing which happened to me actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. Now, before we jump over to verse 18, this reminds me of Joseph. Do you realize that Joseph, I mean, he says the same thing. Joseph, all of a sudden, Jacob dies And Joseph goes, oh, and his brothers are like, now that dad's dead, he's going to be mad at us. He's going to hurt us. And and, and Joseph says, guys, listen, God did this. Wait a minute. God made my brothers hate me. God made me, threw me in a cistern, pulled me out, sold me to the Midianites. And then I went in part. Then I ended up in prison. God did all this. He did this. He says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Good. Same thing. Paul says, hey. I want you to know, guys, the things that happened to me, it was for the furtherance of the gospel. Look at verse 18. What then? Only that in every way, whether pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice. Yes, and will rejoice. What's he saying? He says it does not matter. I'm happy about it. As long as Christ is preached in every possible way, whether from wrong or right, motives, I will continue to be happy. Happy. Verse 19, for I know this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and supply of 
the spirit of Christ, of Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectation, the hope that is in nothing, I shall be ashamed. But with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Now, think about what Paul's saying. Paul's trial had probably started. He was confident either he'd be released or he would die. And either way, it would advance the cause of Christ. Jump over to verse 27. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in the Spirit, with one mind striving together in the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which to them is proof of perdition, but you, but to you of salvation and that from God. What's he saying? Your attention, please. He says, live as a good citizen of heaven while you're on earth. Why? So that your that through your trials, your sufferings, you will show that you are not saved, that you will show them that they are not saved, and you give, then they give you the victory against them. And you go, why? Here's the reason, verse 29. For to you it has been granted on the behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Okay? So that's what he, he says. That's, that's really the whole point. You go, Ben, I, I have a question. Why are we going to suffer? Why? Here's why. Listen, because you're not only to believe in him, but you're going to suffer for his sake. Your faith is going to be tested. Your enemy wants you to compromise your walk with God. Don't do it. Don't do it. Now, let's close. I'm going to give you homework, okay, for tonight. I'm going to give you homework. Tonight, I want you to read Hebrews 11, 32 through 40. Why? Because the writer of Hebrews is talking about those who walked by faith, tested, and suffered for Jesus. That's your homework. Okay? I'm going to ask you next, next week. You go, well, Ben, what's our purpose? You ready? Our purpose in this world is simply to magnify Jesus in our life. To magnify Jesus each day we walk. To magnify God with our behavior. Come on, somebody. But also, listen to me, to magnify the Lord even in death. To God be the glory. In our good and in our bad, in our sufferings and in our trials, we magnify the Lord. And when it comes to trials or sufferings, listen to me, you ready? We don't make any conditions with God. Deliverance or death are equally possible in his plan. Amen? Father, we thank you tonight for your word. Lord, we covered so much in, in, in this time, Lord, and I just thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you warned us. I thank you, Lord, that the chapter 3 of the book of Daniel is so deep. I thank you, God, for all that you're doing. God, continue, continue, Lord, to work in our hearts. Father, we're not sure exactly what's going to happen. We're not sure where this world is, is being directed. But Lord, we have your word, and we trust in your word. And we believe in your word. And we love you. It's in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.